Welcome to the Lucky Titan Podcast. Here you will learn how to fill your favorite platform with tons of your dream customers from some of the world's top entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Josh Tapp. Now let's get started. What is up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan. And today we're here with Brian Thorpe, one of the Titans we're bringing on here because this guy has a great great track record when it comes to helping people with their personal finances and with scaling their businesses. So I'm stoked to have Brian here because he is the founder and CEO of Wealth Tender, which is an amazing platform we will talk about later here as well. And I hope all of you will get a chance to go and check that out because it will definitely help you if you're at the point where you have a little bit of extra money and you don't know what to do with it. So Brian, I am stoked to have you here with us today. Can you say what's up to everybody and then we'll hop in. Hey, Josh, and hey, what's up, everybody? <laughs> good, good to have you here, Brian. Appreciate it. So, Brian, my first question for you, especially, you know, coming from a finance background, you know, you've seen a lot of companies who've IPO'd and, and scaled and grown beyond, you know, anybody's wildest dreams in a lot of cases. But I want to ask you this. If you had your company and it had just passed a million dollars and you had a bunch of extra money come into your life, where would you put that money? Yeah, I think uh, diversifying is certainly important. Uh, you know, I'm at a point in, in my own company where putting some additional dollars into it, I, I think would be a, a wise use of the proceeds. Um, but at the same time, being very thoughtful as to only putting so much of this percentage of dollars that comes in from the heavens and diversifying it out, especially today. I mean, you know, some of these businesses that you mentioned that are, you know, maybe just going through the roof from a valuation perspective, um, there is a tremendous amount of dollars being poured into many of them. And I think it's yet to be really seen as to whether or not they can turn dollars invested in those companies into actual profits. So being very careful as to where, you know, an allocation of investment dollars are being placed, um, because I think we are at a point in time in the markets where uh, if you're not careful, the return of your money may be uh, pretty challenging versus even expecting a return on your money. Yeah. And, and I think there's a lot of people that look at that and they say, okay, I should be dumping every dollar back into my company. And we look at a lot of these companies you know, who come and listen to this show where we're more of the personal brand, solopreneur agency types. And sometimes there's only so much money you can dump back into your company. Right. And, and there's, there's a point where maybe it's not even a smart place to invest your money. And I am going to throw a disclaimer in here, by the way. So neither of us are giving you any sort of financial advice take it for what it's worth. Okay. So um, with you, Brian, when it comes to, to scaling a business with, with money, right? You, you were a very, you were a very key player when it came to the, um, the $7 billion Invesco deal, right? Can you tell right. us first off a little bit about that deal? And then I'll, I'll ask my next question with that. Yeah, so specifically the $7 billion acquisition you're referring to was uh, while, while I was working at Invesco and we had an opportunity to move into the college savings space, so specifically 529 plan. And we did not have a 529 plan at the time, but there was a $7 billion plan administered by Alliance Bernstein in co coordination with the state of Rhode Island and led that effort to take over the, the plan. So, you know, it was a big deal and, you know, something that required an RFP and site visits and a lot of um, additional due diligence on all sides for the very reason that you're dealing with, you know, the heartstrings being pulled because it's children you're talking about from an investing perspective. 
and then the uh, state of Rhode Island that plays a role when it comes to 529 plans. It's a very small state, but they had happened to grow one of the largest 529 plans. So a lot of moving parts, and it was a, a great experience. You know, one that I don't want to repeat because it was a tremendous amount of work for about two years from pursuing the business to winning the business to transitioning the business from Alliance Bernstein to Invesco, and then ultimately um, ensuring that it would be successful once we brought it into uh, Invesco and worked to grow it ourselves with the, the sales force at the time. So it was a, a, quite the, the challenge, but learned a ton along the way. Yeah, I think those are the, the pivotal moments in your life, right? There's so much work there. Like, do I ever want to do that again? Or do I want to use that as a resume to build something else? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. I, I think for most of us, it's the latter, right? It's like, yeah, I don't ever want to do that again. It was great, but. <laughs> right? Yeah, for me, it was great because I was able to parlay it into an advisor role. I've done a lot of angel investing in the last several years and uh, have been an advisor to a fintech based out of LA called Unest, which is focused on uh, helping families save for their children's future. And that in itself has been a lot of fun because it's a much more entrepreneurial culture, a lot fewer barriers and headwinds than dealing with, you know, state regulatory issues and otherwise. I mean, still plenty of, you know, regulations involved because we're still dealing with children and their money. Um, but it's been fun to play a small role in, in the tremendously, you know, successful story that continues to grow there. Yeah, that's really fun. That's uh, yeah. I think that's kind of the dream for everybody. Oh, I want to be that angel investor. And yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know for me, that's really kind of the next place we've been turning is maybe not even angel investing, but investing in other companies and, and acquiring other successful companies. And I know for us, that's been kind of a big point of focus for us. Um, but I, I want to ask you this because you have been so involved, and you know, this kind of leads into wealth tender, right? You're very, very heavily involved in how to use and grow the wealth that you have. And, you know, your entire site is filled with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of articles that walk people through how to do this, right. And connect them with other people who can help them do this. I mean, what have you found to be kind of your, your favorite methodologies for, for entrepreneurs? Uh, for entrepreneurs who are looking to invest. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, Great question. And I, I think, you know, one of the challenges with entrepreneurs, and I'll, I'll put myself into that category with all that I'm doing as well, is, I, you know, we have a tendency, uh, speaking for myself, to put the blinders on and get so extraordinarily focused on what we're doing. Um, that tunnel vision can, you know, in terms of focus, pay tremendous dividends over time, but it can also be a real uh, hindrance to your wealth if you um, perhaps get overconfident or again uh, just put everything into one basket when there's an opportunity to really thoughtfully diversify. So I think for many entrepreneurs one of the biggest things is to just remember to take those blinders off, expose yourself to other opportunities and going back to what we were referring to a little bit earlier, the experience that you, that I, that others who are entrepreneurs have gained within our own businesses and thinking through the knowledge that we've gained and how we can apply that to investing in other businesses um, because we know we've learned so much. And if we can take what we've learned as we're evaluating other businesses or companies that we might buy you know, stock of or just other ventures that appear to be interesting, our, our um, senses as entrepreneurs, our, our you know, experience that we've gained, I think, um, positions us really well to be much more thoughtful and uh, watching out for some of the risks and uh, avoiding some of the traps that I think many people 
can fall into when they hear this really incredible story, but a story is just that. And as we all know, most entrepreneurs can tell one heck of a story, but ultimately it needs to be backed by a business that can generate meaningful cash flow. Yeah, and that, that seems to be one of the, I guess, the hardest parts about being an entrepreneur, right? Is because we do fall in love with, with the single asset that we're building. And I, I love the way you articulated that because it's all about taking and, and not just always investing where, where it feels right or it's easy, but, but putting in other places that will help you to A, diversify, but kind of protect yourself in the long run. And as entrepreneurs, that, that's honestly one of the most important parts of being an entrepreneur is, is putting money elsewhere because your business is going to go through cycles, right? For sure. I mean, we all know of that. I was just listening to Dean Graciosi the other day on his podcast, and he was saying, every three years in a business, you should expect to be cut out of the knees. So it happens every three years. There's some big, ridiculous thing that's going to knock you out and you have to rebuild. You have to build the business again or, or you know, build it back from a really low point. And you're talking about say, hey, let's take that and let's move it into other asset categories that maybe are, are more safe or recession proof. Um, and, and I love that. So Brian, when for you personally, because you have been building your own company as well and, and scaling this out now, what have you been finding has been your, um, I guess, biggest roadblock in investing your own money? Yeah, I think actually the, the biggest, um, from a roadblock perspective or, or just consideration that I've had is with the risks that I am taking with the, the business, and recognizing that there are a lot of eggs in this particular basket, uh, being very thoughtful and much more conservative with some of the investments that we have in the, the stock market, for example. So usually I think about the stock market as being a great place to um, take chances and, and have more high risk type investments. But where we are today with uh, a very risky investment in the business that we're growing, I would much rather have, you know, still hold investments in the stock market, but identify opportunities where um, there's much less downside and a greater uh, likelihood that we'll preserve that cash and, and have less downside than some of the stocks that have certainly, you know, flown this year and over the last, you know, 18 months. Uh, it's been tremendous to see, and I, I wish I could have uh, picked all the right winners and uh, you know, ridden them to the, the the heights that they're at now, but man, it's it's partly for that very reason that I'm very happy to be much more conservatively positioned in the market, especially while we do take these risks on an from an entrepreneurial perspective. Yeah, and, and I I love that because you're talking about risk management, which is a huge thing in this space. And I mean, I I know one of the big problems that I have with a lot of types of investing is it's like gambling, right? It's, oh, I can't. How do I gamble this money? And the reality is there are very high risk investments that have high return that you can mitigate the risk by being educated. For and, sure. And that seems to be the number one issue when it comes to investing is people just assume somebody else is going to take care of their money. I mean, if I had a dime for every person I've interviewed on this show who had a, their accountant run away with half of their wealth, I mean, it, I'd be rich. It's just crazy how many people that happens to. And it's because they just trust one person to solve their needs for them, you know, and no matter how much you trust somebody, when you hand them a $10 million amount of wealth, there's a lot of temptation in that. <laughs> Unfortunately, there is. So for you, you know, especially um, with, with wealth and everything, that's, that's what you guys are all about is educating people on, 
on their finances, taking care of their money, managing their wealth and growing their wealth. So can you give us a little bit of background on what Wealth Tender is? Um, first sure. Yeah. So if you're familiar with the site NerdWallet, you know, they provide a lot of great educational resources, but really most of those articles are focused on getting you as a consumer to buy a credit card or, or sign up for the latest and greatest credit card or work at the robo-advisor, which is great if you're in the market for a credit card or you're interested in um, you know, an online account for your, your stocks and investing. Um, that's terrific. What we're really doing is providing a lot of educational resources, as you mentioned, hundreds of articles focused on a broad range of topics, but really first and foremost, emphasizing the human side of money and investing. So everything we're really doing is oriented around helping people ultimately, if they are ready for um, working with an individual advisor or a financial coach, helping to make that connection or for people that prefer to do it yourself. In many instances, um, individuals from a personal finance perspective are still looking for resources to help them become more educated in their own finances and investing. And we have a network now of over 300 personal finance blog owners and podcast owners who have created a profile page on WealthTender, become part of our community. And those resources we think are really helpful more for the, the do-it-yourself type investor. And then just this year, we've really started ramping up uh, financial advisors and financial coaches that we're inviting to the platform so that we can help uh, not only financial advisors and coaches attract more clients, but again, ultimately help consumers find the right advisor and the right coach for their individual needs, no matter where they live or no matter their income or stage of life. So, you know, and I love that uh, about your model, right? Because it's, it's saying, hey, we want to educate the people, but we don't want to be here just to say, get into more debt, get a credit card, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love that because it's really giving kind of a, an objective perspective for a lot of people. And, and I know this, I don't actually typically ask this question very often, but what kind of sparked the idea of do, you know, building a site like this? Because this is, this is a very unique model and a lot of people don't want to take it on because there's big whales that they have to fight in the, <laughs> in sure. the space. Yeah, great question. I mean, I felt like there was a real gap in the market in a couple of places. So we just covered one, you know, the educational site like a nerd wallet, and it's not exclusive to nerd wallet. So I don't mean to pick on them. They've built a great business, um, but they've gone where the money is. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, I can respect that. Um, but where that money is, is largely saturated, meaning so many personal finance sites are now oriented around uh, credit card offers because that's where the dollars are or have been. Um, but it's saturated. So I didn't want to focus on that as a niche. And then in the financial advisor realm, there are a number of sites that offer lead generation services for financial advisors. And from a consumer perspective, you log on to the site, you enter your zip code, and they will tell you the three best financial advisors for you. But you need to have probably $500,000 in assets or else they really just want to send you somewhere else. Um, and the idea that the best advisor for you happens to be in or near your zip code, I really feel is an antiquated mindset. So especially post-COVID, as we've all acclimated to working online, the opportunity for not only advisors to build their business around a particular niche, um, even if they're in a, a small town in Idaho, um, that may be a niche that they can serve from Idaho because they can work with clients all over. And what would be too small of a niche to serve in a, a small town in a, a rural area um, now is a niche that can be served quite adequately from wherever they are. And in the process, that really opens the door for consumers to find the best financial advisor or financial coach 
um, for their particular needs and uh, regardless of where they live. So if you are a consumer and you're an educator or in the military or a, a doctor, or maybe you have a family with special needs children, your priorities when it comes to your personal finances are very much not as likely to have to do with you know, how close you are to, to where your advisor lives or working with somebody that happens to be down the street. It's working with somebody that truly understands what's most important to you. So you know, in the military, your, your benefits and the potential opportunities from a retirement perspective are very unique and working with a professional that understands that you know, in those unique circumstances is very valuable. Same thing with you know, family with special needs children. So um, I think that's part of the opportunity for WealthTender as well is to flip this model on its head to say, when it comes to finding the best financial resources for you, let's stop thinking about zip codes and start thinking about who you are and what's important to you. I love that because it's it's not limiting yourself, right? Because we, we all feel like, well, there are a dime a dozen, right? Oh, there's there's 10,000 accountants out there, right? Within a 200 mile radius of where I'm right. But it's like you're saying, it's it's somebody who's tailored to your needs. That's hugely important. And it's really hard to find that yourself. Um, so I, I appreciate that you guys are providing that opportunity. So first off, where can people gain access to that and to you guys? Yeah, the best uh, place to go is wealthtender.com. And that's uh, wealthtender, T-E-N-D-E-R. But just in case you're swiping left or right on tender, T-I-N-D-E-R, you can go to wealthtender spelled with an I and we'll redirect you back to wealthtender and get you to the right place. That was a very smart move on your part to say. <laughs> People will definitely misspell it. But so it's wealthtender.com, T-E-N-D-E-R. Um, so make sure you go check that out. And Brian, I want to ask you one final question before we sign off here. So if you could give us one final parting piece of guidance, what would that be? Great question. I think where I would start is offering your audience the suggestion that when it comes to investing, uh, they think not only about uh, you know, what they've traditionally found to be the most likely place that they would invest, but to really think beyond and explore areas that they haven't considered before. Step outside your comfort zone, um, but leverage the education and the insights that you have gained from being an entrepreneur or from your career and think about how you can apply those to an area of investing that's, again, perhaps beyond your comfort zone, um, but could be quite interesting to uh, explore and, you know, open up new doors and ideas beyond what you've been comfortable investing in, in the past. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Lucky Titan podcast. If you want to fill your favorite platform with dream customers, then come join myself and thousands of others of hosts at theluckytitan.com slash tribe. Here you can find guests for your show, get featured on other shows, and discover the secrets to building an audience of raving fans. So once again, go create your free account at theluckytitan.com slash tribe.